One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. Welcome to the Creep Dive. It, well, someone was saying, and they're right, they were like, stop being so concerned about the over-chatting, because it sounds weird. Yes, someone also gave us some constructive uh, criticism on Sunday yeah. about the sound levels of taking it on board. Thank you very much. They just, they kind of said that we might be moving away from our mics, which is true, because we sit on a couch. Uh, Sophie's sitting on this gorgeous big Buddha bag. Buddha bag? Buddha bag, but it's 90% urine. And um, <laughs> Sorry. it is my home. That's why I gravitated towards it. I was like, the amount of stale piss, piss in that thing. Okay, Cassie, you can continue speaking now. What's our feedback? Stop moving away from the mics. Stop moving away from the mics. Or move away from them <laughs> so far. It was actually me. I just left that anonymous feedback on the podcast <laughs> to try and be really strict with you guys. Would you just guys hold your mics in front of your mouth the way that I've told you to do now for a year? You literally have one job. Just put them in front of your mouths like a horse dick. Okay. Just get into it. Um, Wait, we're the podcast that goes deeper than any normal person has time for. You yes. Think- Go find us on Instagram now at The Creep Dive and like us for all the visuals that you will need. We are the applicator to your non-applicating tampon. Gorgeous. Thank you. So this week I have an incredibly long story that's neither funny <laughs> nor I don't know nor uplifting but it's really deep and it's got a lot of twists and turns in it and I got really into it earlier on so that's what I have it's time for you to pass it off you know when you get dark and intimate with something and you need for it was you discussing that you yeah, need to give it you away need to like give it away to someone yeah yeah, yeah. it's the time um this week I, I came across a hell of a lot of potential stories that were short midi ones okay. including this fantastic uh tale from the old dominoes um mascot i'm gonna save it for next week it's really short oh, look at P- you domino's there. pizza domino's pizza there's a dark history there 
What? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Look at me breadcrumbing the readers and nice. listeners for next week. All right. Um, but I'm going to, you have a shorty. So go with that first because this me. is long and dark and I want to leave right. people unable to sleep. Oh, God. All right. Well, uh, hang on. Let me do my, um, what's that thing you call it again, Soph? Your clickbait headline. Clickbait headline. I can see some visuals here and I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike, I watched The Favourite this week. Do you remember that film? Mm-hmm. Yes. Set in Victorian times. No. Is it Victorian times if it's Queen Anne? Queen, Queen Victoria. <laughs> um, what's the year? 1700s. Oh, I think that's pre-Victorian. Whatever. Set in those <laughs> sort of era, that sort of era. And the film was brilliantly disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we all kind of knew they were all gross. Oh, yeah. So gross. Have I mean, you ever the levels of perfume? hygiene were just bottom out, <laughs> literally, <laughs> in the film. And you were like, well, this is the royal family. So. There's a lot of gout, isn't there? Yeah. She gets gout in the film. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I was riddled with gout when I was a teenager. No, you what? weren't. I was. I got gout when I was about 15. Riddled. From riddled. rich food. Yes. And port. I used slices of cheddar cheese as crackers. I smeared them in pate. Yeah, I was there beside you doing the same fucking thing. Well, Your I got, was I was felled by the gout. Not Your me. constitution is obviously hardier. Well, well, maybe it is. Anyway, I went kind of into my uh, Victorian weirdness. Because first of all, I was like, look at the gear. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you going to do a whiz? Well, yeah. ha- having assisted you... Uh, wazzing on your wedding day with great difficulty is the answer yeah what i didn't know then that they I knew i think you pissed on your dress was that but was, it was at the back so i didn't tell you every look back then it was your your dress was mostly piss so but instead what they had here is what cassie's seeing is uh this is the base layer of any dress so you know kind of you can imagine bloomers what bloomers look like yeah, yeah. They're, they were they were all of them crotchless. There oh, yes, was no course, yeah. underwear. Uh, there was no gusset. No. Gusset less. Breezy. So here's a little picture for your uh, viewing delights of. Cassie, you can see it there. Yeah. I used to own a pair of Victorian bloomers. Did they Were they crotchless like this? Yes. Yeah. They were exactly like that. Do you not remember them? Mm. I used to wear them yes. under things. Yeah. Okay, well, they existed. So what you would do is you would ease up a, a porcelain potty <gasps> up under to collect the effluent. <laughs> wow. Now, what you would do if you were just needing a small wee and you couldn't be arsed finding your porcelain potty was just piss into your dress. Or if you were walking down the street, there was a movement you could make, like you the drop and piss. Yeah. Yeah. And you would just piss into the street. Right. Okay. Interesting. Did not know that. Yeah. It's so funny because Cassie looks a little uncertain about just pissing yourself. But I feel like you and I have done more or less this yeah. a fair few times. No, I mean, I'm de- I've definitely, I've, I've, you know, I've peed outside behind a bin, behind a car is usually my choice. Not of late. In oh. your teens when you're out there doing yeah. a bit of... No, I mean... Alfresco drinking. You can get good at stand pissing as well. Mm. So anyway, that's what they would do. But you can imagine like another thing happens to women. That thing is called a period. What the fuck did they do during that time? Yeah. What a mess. 
Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But they had other things that they made. For instance, oh God, this is this is a bit grim here. <laughs> uh, oh, now we're going grim. They call it a uh, solution. <laughs> so what it was was sheep's wool bound together with lard, <laughs> and then stuffed up your vagina. <laughs> That's now, I it, visually, I imagine this to be less of a like absorbing thing and more of a plug. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Nothing about something being smothered in lard seems absorbent to me. Oh, no, the lard is repelling the yeah. period. Because think about it, your body temperature is going to start melting that lard. <gasps> True. Oh, the lard is oh the applicator. Maybe so. Leaving the wool... And also, now you're leaking lard. Well, the thing is, like, you know, (laughs) you're walking down this, there's nothing, and you're slippery, right? There's nothing to keep that up. You can only imagine the state of the streets. And (laughs) by Jesus, they were a state. Mm -hmm. They described it in this um, thing that I read, the sewers as, well, the streets. uh, Like, the sewers, basically, you could walk across them. They were so full of dead things. I mean, it was a disgusting time of filth. Yeah. We were born into the wrong era. Absolutely. Like, I genuinely would have felt really at home with all of that kind of soiling self and Mm. leaking Very liberated. I personally think that I should have been a Roman around the famatoriums and the... um, just the, the parties of decadence. I would have really enjoyed that. Well, they also did major parties of decadence in the Victorian times. And they also were users of a vomitorium during the Victorian really? times. Really? Yeah. Bring so back they, the vomitorium. Well, this is it. What a mess. But you'd have to be obviously really loaded to get involved in that thing. Yeah. Anyway, the death rate was enormous. And I read obviously. a thing, and I don't think it's wrong, but they, they, they didn't name their babies. Because I think it was there was something like a 50% child mortality rate. Jesus. Dreadfully miserable. Jeez. On a lighter note, <laughs> there's another thing they used to do. So, like, they had pets the way we have pets now. They didn't name their babies, but they still had pets. Interesting. There's soaps. a disconnect there. Yeah. Like, get more emotionally invested in your babies, ditch the pets. I'm not sure they were dying of neglect. Well, in a sense, like they didn't have the drugs. I know, but they were. And they used to drink. Named. That's so sad. But they used to collect their drinking water from the sewage system as well. So it was rife with typhoid oh and diphtheria, cholera. Everything was. It was a disaster. So Shit. most people would just drink beer because, in fact, it was way safer than water. So children, yeah. everybody drank beer. Uh, so back to the pets. It's fucking hilarious, but it is not funny and funny the same. So you'd have a lovely cat. Mm-hmm. And obviously it would die because everything died. Yeah. And instead of... <laughs> Did you name the cat? You would get the like taxidermy, bad shit was going around. And you were like, you know, this is nice. I'd like to... I'm keep my dead cat. Keep this around. That's cool. I yeah. mean, we can all sort of relate. What we can't sort of relate to is then turning it into a festive hat. <laughs> <laughs> Which is <laughs> what some of them did. So here, I'll turn this picture around. Maybe we could put this on the Instagram. Um, this is Claire uh, wearing pussy. <laughs> uh, here you go. <laughs> it oh actually it works though. It totally works. It I'm really send does. This. My cousin has a cat 
called Albie. It's a little fucker. I don't like this cat. Never have. Very unsatisfying to pet. Mm -hmm. Do you know those cats that are made of like hair and whimsy and you can't a even flight of fat. you kind of you, can't it gain moves purchase in there. Yeah, they're like to oil get the pet Mac. in yeah you can't even find its body through all the whimsy i, I feel those, there's a yeah. better way of doing it though to use the bits of the cat to your advantage <laughs> like you know cat's claws can be useful so if instead of wearing the cat's face on your head for no apparent reason. <laughs> I'm going to crochet you a hat like that. But Please that do. Is, crochet that is regal. Hat. I like that. I do too. What about using the claw yes. as an object of use? So you get the cat's hand or elbow and then what <laughs> you have, have is... have neither hands nor elbows. Four or five <laughs> on the end of its hand was four or five very sharp knives. The things you could do are endless. Like the neck, the ne what you could do with the tail, for instance, is create a short rope. <laughs> Who doesn't need a short rope? Can be useful for tying things to yourself. Your dog's lead. Warning to your next cat as a lead not to fuck around. I mean, it's endless. What you could do as well with the arse back. I've seen this used as a tea towel, like a novelty thing. <laughs> But it could be used as some sort of, um, you know, you know, like you, you take the the arse hole and the you leave you the take the cat you, anus. You've used the tail as a small rope, <laughs> and you've used the two feet as uh, ten quite sharp small <laughs> knives, and then you'd have the bum hole, and that you could use like they do in the toys, like pop in your tea towel, poke a little tea towel, or in the bathroom, in the bathroom, you know, the downstairs loo. Yeah. It's small enough to not create a scene <laughs> to put a small hand towel there. <laughs> and everyone feels weird in the bathroom now it's going to point it out. Uh, it's so good for anyone who doesn't know what those tea towel holders are. Yeah. You see, they're, they're real solid 80s childhood stuff. Absolutely You do perfect. not see them anymore. Why not? That's I, what I want to know. it should be your finger yeah, in a very unpleasant just, way. I lots of little, I feel dirty, kind of things in there. Oh, they did I have an idea for a boy so dog. Let's say you had a small uh, <laughs> okay. Jack Russell called Jared, very well endowed. Uh, what you could do is you could thread some tissue into his, you could create kind of a tissue dispenser from his penis. Would that not work? I mean, a lot I mean, of those <laughs> things that you described would. Or a small vase, work. like a single tulip. A single you could leave tulip. Jared upside down and have a tulip. Anyway, so that's just some of the things they used to do. Another just some of the products okay. that are going to be available on, on creepdive.com. <laughs> Here's one more product on special. So uh, th this, this fucking article was stupid. I'll admit it, it might have had something to do with BuzzFeed. I'm not saying it was directly from there or that part of this information is wrong, but I did check my source. Mm -hmm. That's a total lie. Um, so another thing that they used to do, because they were all afraid of being buried alive, <gasps> probably because death was so near at all times. Ding, ding, ding. Well... She just blew my whistle. That oh. shouldn't be allowed. Cassie. Oh, we'll, we'll no, cut no. it. No, no, that's fine. You did exactly guess correctly. So they used to have there a was little... a bell inside your coffin that you'd ring. If you weren't dead. If you weren't dead. But obviously this spurred like lots of like scary, I think I heard a bell. Mm -hmm. I'm in a graveyard moment, so I'm sure. And phrases like saved by the bell. <gasps> Remember that show? Yeah. 
all about this topic. And uh, all about this <laughs> dead ringer, another one. <gasps> no. Yeah. So in the coffins, they'd have the little bell. They'd have a little flap above the face, so you could you could you wouldn't have to dig up the whole body. You could just dig up just above the head, and then open eee- up, see if they're open alive. the mouth, open open for the head, face, and mouth, and then obviously close it again because I'm sure nobody was ever fucking buried alive. Or if they were, you'd be dead in 20 minutes. people buried alive. Well, that would be a creep dive. There is a special episode, I think. I think we could all individually find a story of people who've been buried alive. It's giving me a no feeling, but I guess that's the whole point of this podcast. Oh, maximum no feeling. So um, that's all I want to tell you uh, to start you off. I I heard a different story about the bells. Okay, interesting. I heard that the bells were above ground. And that they had little ropes into the co- yeah into sure. the coffin exactly. I'd, I'd imagine that that would although, you know, I don't know if you could get the tension to pull the rope if there's a load of soil soil on top of you. Surely it'd just be yeah. impacted into the soil. You could get some guttering involved, but I hear like, really oh yeah. But on the other hand, I just don't think that the sound would travel through the coffin and through the soil. Well, six feet. Let's it's do one lot. of those. Uh, That's impacted. You know, your little sound waves are going to hit that soil and just bounce back into the coffin. Okay, I she is, she is a producer. She's she's all about the waves of the sound, audio. The audio. I'll one. get under this Buddha bag. Right. Hashtag spawn. And I'll make a small it won't bell work. sound. It won't work. <laughs> we will hear it. You'll hear it, okay. Ding-a-ling, ding. <laughs> We'll just do a bit more research and we'll come back to you guys with the facts. Anyway, what do you think about this top line? um, uh, This is going to be a new segment, I think, that we can each take called TIL Today I Learned. Yeah, I like it. I love that. So they do that on, you might have seen that abbreviation on something called the internet. (laughs) Too long, didn't read. Today I learned. That's there too. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I'm opening on a high. You're going to take us to a dark place. I have to wait, facially get ready for this. It's um this is a strange story and um one that I just got really really into because there was a lot more information. I actually remember reading this story, the first parts of this story back in I think 2009 when I read a piece in the New Yorker called Trial by Fire. 2009. Such a creepy year. What happened then? We've had loads of 2009s. Like Shh. <laughs> okay we have had i feel like we've had loads of like 2009s and loads of 2005s four or five is what i was thinking okay so trial by okay so fire in 2009 um i'm just gonna open it here right there was an article published in the new yorker called trial by fire and it was this uh story about a man called cameron todd willingham so i'm gonna tell you the story of cameron todd willingham from piece together from all the reports about him and what happened and what happened since 2009 because a lot has happened since then nice okay so buckle your seat belts. buckle your seats guys this is a long one and it's interesting so well, well i would hope so yeah no i really would wouldn't i <laughs> really built this up now it's extremely long and it's exceptionally very, boring very long. i'm not even allowed to tell a story because it's so shut long. up sophie <laughs> but you'll have a lot to say on this matter okay so on the 23rd of december 1991 a woman called stacy Kendall 
went out shopping for Christmas presents in Texas. Um, at home were her three children, two-year-old Amber Louise and one-year-old twins, Carmen and Cameron, and her husband, Cameron Todd Willingham. So despite not having much money, they described their kids as being quite spoiled. Um, Stacy worked in her brother's bar and Todd Willingham was an unemployed mechanic at the time. So he was at home with the kids all the time. Um, but neither Todd nor Stacy had very good upbringings. So Todd had been born in 1968. He was abandoned by his mother when he was a baby and he was raised then by his father, Jean, and um, a stepmother, Eugenia. They lived in a small... Jean and, Jean and Eugenia. Yeah, no, this is legit though. Um, they, sorry, just on a side note, one of my favourite things is when couples have matching names. Same. I knew ever. some Pats. I knew a Lauren and Lawrence yes. married couple. Um, so weird. Yeah, I love it. Um, so they lived in a small cramped house and in his teens, Todd began to kind of suffer at school and he started sniffing paint. So this is in like... The 70s, early I reckon, 80s in America. Did he start sniffing paint before he started to suffer in school? I think it was all, all correlated. Um, he dropped out of high school and over time he was arrested for a few different things. I have his list of convictions here, which I'm not going to get into, but they're like driving under the influence, stealing a bicycle, shoplifting and uh, supplying paint to 12 year olds and supplying paint to young teens uh with the view that they were sniffing it whatever grim yeah stacy's background was even darker when she was four years old her stepfather had strangled her mother to death in a domestic violence act um so stacy and todd had stacy was 22 and todd was 23 and they had a problematic relationship uh and neighbors reportedly said that todd drank a lot he was unfaithful and he would often hit out at Stacy even when she was pregnant. God. Charming. Um, yeah. So one of those. Um, but it was on December the 23rd, 1991. Neighbours noticed the smell of smoke. So there was a woman called Diane Barbie and she was one of the first neighbours to arrive at the scene and she ran out and found Todd Willingham standing outside his porch wearing only a pair of jeans. He was blackened with soot and his hair and his eyelids were singed and he was screaming, my babies are inside. Diane called the fire department and witnesses said that Todd grabbed a stick and tried smashing through a window into the, his children's room, but fire burst through the window. Uh, firefighters arrived at the scene and Todd was hysterical, telling them that his children were still inside. Um, he told the men that his wife Stacy had gone out at about nine o'clock that morning to go to the shopping, that he had been woken up to the sound of, um, he'd originally been woken up to the sound of the twins stirring, kind of, he gave them food and they went back to sleep and then he was woken up again by the sound of one of the other kids crying out. Jesus. He was distraught and he said he couldn't get the kids out. So a fireman then went into the house, he emerged and he was carrying the two-year-old um, daughter and at that stage Todd tried to run back into the house was to she save alive? Twins. no oh, oh, um, tried to run back into the house to save the twins but the police chaplain at the time George Monaghan had to hold him back he said he wrestled him to the ground and handcuffed him for his own and their protection because he actually said he received a black eye 
he was one of the first firemen at the scene and oh sorry then one of the other first firemen at the scene told investigators later that he also had to restrain Willingham from getting back into the house because when they arrived at the scene they saw that it was it was a massive blaze and it was it was frequently described in many reports as like tremendously hot and they could nobody not get was anything. getting out alive nobody was getting in and out right all three of the children died oh god yeah terribly tragic right the community then rallied around the family and uh, they raised money to help with the funeral costs. Where was the, so the, had she returned back at this point? So she came back to the house. Okay. Um, oh my God. Yeah, just, it was just completely fucking tragic, right? Um, but the neighbours rallied around, they helped with the funeral costs. Um, and then meanwhile, the investigators were trying to look for the source of the fire trying to understand what happened and both Ka- or both Todd and Stacy were very cooperative with the police um, they insisted that they just wanted to know how the tragedy had occurred so the assistant fire chief Douglas Fogg had over 20 years experience as a firefighter and he was a certified arson inspector and he was joined by the deputy fire marshal a man named Manuel Vasquez so Vasquez and Fogg went to the Winningham's house four days after the fire and they moved from the least burnt areas in the house towards the most damaged ones, which they said was a systematic method. Um, Locating the source. Yeah, saying that they're just collecting information. um, It's the best way to do it because we've no predetermined notions of what happened. Uh, We didn't want to have any preconceived ideas. So they started in the kitchen. Vasquez and Fogg found that they it only had smoke and heat damage, a sign that the fire had not started there. Already suspicious because that would have been the likely. Yeah. So they went deeper into the house. There was a central corridor that led past the utility room and the master bedroom, then past a small living room on the left and then a children's bedroom on the right, ending at the front door, which opened into the porch. Bungalow. Yeah, so I think it's a bungalow. I think they started at the back of the house, which the kitchen was, where there Mm -hmm. was a back door. Okay. Now, in the kitchen, it was a small house, and in the kitchen, there was uh, two fridges, and one of them blocked the back door. All the time, or? Kind of all the time. Okay. They said it was unrelated to the fire. Grand, so they just needed more fridge. Yeah. Um, So... So there's one way, with the windows and the bedrooms, but other than that... Yeah. I think there's just, it's just kind of, I'm picturing this long corridor. corridor and bedrooms, the bedrooms off it, the kitchen at the end. Yeah, mm. and a small sitting room. I think it was like bedroom, bedroom, small sitting room, small utility room, kitchen, toilet somewhere, presumably as well, right? They said, they kind of made a couple of observations about the house uh, while they were doing the inspection. So in the utility room, there was uh, a pictures of skulls um, and what he described as an image of the Grim Reaper. Then, huh. in the utility room. Yeah. So weird. I what? would usually keep my Grim Reaper pig <laughs> in the living room. In the living room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So, then they went into the master bedroom, um, and they found that most of the damage there was also from smoke and heat, suggesting the fire had not started down there; that it had started further down the hallway. So as they m- removed sort of some of the clutter, they noticed these deep charring stains along the base of the walls. Because, so there's a lot of science in this investigation, or a lot of sort of, a, a lot of it was 
their scientific methods and they made conclusions based on what they deemed to be science. So because gases become buoyant when heated, flames ordinarily burn upward. But Vasquez and Fogg observed that the flame, the fire had burned extremely down low, like really, really low down near the kind of skirting boards. As if someone had poured petrol? And that there were peculiar charred patterns on the floor shaped like puddles. Uh, so the burn patterns led from the hallway to the children's bedroom and they oh found more God. irregular puddle patterns as they moved through. Starting, well, don't know where it started, but in this utility space? No, this sorry. is this is further down the corridor. Oh, sorry. Okay. So, um, I'm just stuck on the skulls. Basically, Vasquez and Fogg Aren't said you? that. I think as well, like, just, you know, a certain kind of living, like, utility room, just such a huge luxury. Like, you have a utility room, but, like, I'll never have that, you know? Okay. Bean bag. <laughs> I was going to call you ball bag from now. <laughs> okay. Just keep knitting you. So, they, Vasquez and Fogg claimed that flammable or combustible liquid doused on a floor will cause a fire to concentrate in these kind of pockets, which is why they call them poor patterns or puddle configurations. So basically their theory is that the fire is concentrated where there's an accelerant or a liquid. Mm. It burns really hot there and leaves a particular stain on the floor. This feels like real science. I mean, Sounds uh, legit. Sure. Of course, right? You're going to tell me like an owl was involved or some magic. <laughs> so a horse wielding a machete. Seeing that the floor had these deepest burns, they concluded that it had been hotter than the ceiling, which because flames obviously rise was deemed to be really abnormal. That mm-hmm. the, the, a lot of the heat was down around the floor. They also examined a piece of glass from one of the broken windows and it contained a spiderweb-like pattern with fire investigators called crazed glass. And they determined that the fire had burned fast and hot, meaning it had been fueled by a liquid accelerant and that's what caused the glass to fracture in such a manner. Okay, you've convinced me. Right. Sophie? Then, finally, yeah, the special fire for deaths. Specialists determined that there was a distinct burn trailer throughout the house burnt trail throughout the house it went from the children's bedroom into the corridor then turned sharply to the right and proceeded out the front door they found brown stains literally a trail the presence of accelerant yeah okay and then they scanned the walls for soot marks that resembled a v so when a fire starts it starts at a point and it um expands out in like a v pattern Mm -hmm. so when an object catches fire it creates that pattern and the heat and smoke radiate outwards and you can therefore pinpoint where the fire began in the Willingham house, there was a distinctive V in the main corridor and there was uh, three places where fire had originated in the hallway, in the children's bedroom and at the front door. So Vasquez later testified that the multiple origins pointed to one conclusion, that the fire had been intentionally set by human hands. I mean, it was you, you eventually brought us there. You had convinced us immediately. We're all in. Okay. How could you disagree with this fact? It seems like total... That's it now. Obviously, so, that's it. How could you... As suspicion around Todd Willingham grew, the neighbours who had rallied around the family during the funeral soon began offering different pictures of Todd. So Diane Barbie, who had been the first at the scene, said that she had not actually seen Todd try to enter the house until after the authorities arrived, as if he yeah, were putting on a show. And when the children's room exploded with flames, she added, he God. seemed more preoccupied with his car, which he moved down the driveway. <gasps> what? What? Another neighbor reported that even when, even then, Willingham cried out for his, bro- even when Willingham cried out for his babies, he did not appear to be excited or concerned. 
in Eden. Uh, Monaghan wrote in a statement that upon further reflection, things were not as they seemed. I had the feeling that Willingham was, complete, was in complete control. Mm. So on the 31st of December, Todd was brought in and questioned. Vasquez and Fogg were present at the time and they asked him to use a map to describe the route he took to exit the house. They determined that Todd must be lying about the about his account of what had happened because he, if he had exited the house the way that he said he had, he would have burned his feet. They asked him basically, did you put on shoes before you left the house? And he said no. And then he, they asked him to describe how he left the house using a blueprint of the house. He showed them the route. And they said that if he had exited the way that he had, he would have burnt his feet because the he fire would have walked was so on the hot. puddles of fire. Yes. Mm. So a medical report found that his feet were completely unscathed. I just can't, like, believe that he'd leave the house as well. What do you mean? He was trying to kill everyone. (laughs) No, but, like, if his story is to be believed that, you know, he was distraught. Yeah, he would leave. Like, the actual... You're not going anywhere. Like, put yourself there. Like, you couldn't... I you're, just feel like you couldn't leave. You're not leaving your kids. No, I Especially just feel since, like you'd can I ask, probably just die trying. Are the children's bedrooms on the way out? Do you know what I mean? It's, no, it's Like from your description, like, it kind of in, it off the corridor. Like they are. Yeah, it does sound or like Or else they are. they're at the furthest. I'm not entirely sure, but it the description of the route that he took. Did he pass he one of the right. children's bedrooms doors? I, I don't know. But it seems to be a small house. Yeah, so probably. It sounds like yeah. all the bedrooms are off that central. Doesn't corridor. it? All the yeah. bedrooms were and off the central. Like corridor, yeah. It's a slightly and if the kitchen's at the back, because the kitchen is at the far end of the front. And it was. No, it really matters where his bedroom was. Yeah. It's just off that same corridor, though. Yeah. So, yes, he was extremely close to his children's bedrooms. You're just gonna die trying. There's no fucking way. That's here. all I can picture. I'm like, yeah. I feel like you just. Could not leave, like so. Unless somebody came and actually dragged you out. Sorry. Anyway, anyway. Vasquez basically described Willingham as a complete liar. He said he told me a story of pure fabrication. He just talked and talked, and all he did was lie. Two weeks after the fire, Todd was arrested and charged with three counts of murder. In Texas, he was eligible for the death penalty. Two weeks after it, that's a short period. Of, I mean, like that's well, that's, that's they, that's they how were in the they case were, was. They were in the house four yeah. days after doing this report. Okay, between that and then they revisited witnesses and they got these and his witness domestic statements. History of and domestic he had assault. he had not he didn't have a history of domestic assault that came from witnesses right. neighbors okay. saying that he had, but he had got pr- those previous convictions for robbery mm. for. Uh, Driving under the influence Petty enough and for th- things. Plus, Previous they tend convictions. to move fast when yeah. they suspect you of murder. So, um, How and do you they, know were, that? they were. <laughs> so, um, he was charged with the three counts of murder. He was eligible for the death penalty, being in Texas and whatnot. Uh, he couldn't afford a lawyer, so he was assigned two by the state, who advised him to take a plea deal. Remarkably, the prosecutor at the time, John Jackson, offered a deal of life imprisonment for a guilty plea allowing Todd to avoid execution. He, in particular, was kind of against the death penalty. So he said, look, if you take, plead guilty, life imprisonment, no death by lethal injection. Todd refused. He maintained his innocence. So he was placed in So what's happened to his wife at this point? So his wife is standing by him. Really? His wife, Stacey, is standing by him, right? Mm. A lot of Stacey's family are not. 
Okay. A lot of Stacy's family are saying that they think he's guilty. Okay. Todd's parents and his wife are standing by him. Right. Like, I've been married for a while and I feel like I would take any opportunity to turn on Seb. Think about it is your your family's been annihilated. All you have left is this fucking guy. And it's all happening very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Two weeks after. Um, so Todd was placed in jail and while there, a fellow inmate named Webb alleged that uh, Todd confessed to him that he took a lighter fluid and squirted it around the walls and set a fire. So with the apparent confession, his refusal to plead guilty. Who's Webb now? Why so Webb is just this other fellow who's in okay. jail who maintains they were having a conversation and he confessed to him in this kind of moment. Weird. Of Why? Okay, Grant. Whatever. Super reliable. Seems unlikely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Literally like, but they I'm have, bored in prison. But at this stage, they have the apparent confession, his refusal to accept a guilty plea. All of that evidence of the fire science. Then all this, all the fire stuff from those two two arson specialists um, his lawyers are trying to convince him to I would take a plea deal you, but I'm also the prosecutors <laughs> all see him now and interpret him as a sadistic killer who felt no remorse they just think that he's completely disconnected with because he's he, pleading his innocence because he's because he's refusing to accept responsibility for something that seems so obvious he also has this giant serpent tattoo on his arm you see everyone's heading around Sophie I'm looking at you You've tattooed your body, right? <laughs> when you do something terrible, people will not feel sorry for you. They'll say, look at her there. Look at her there. Knitting so, a Vec tattoo. It's a jarring... Just guilty. Written all over your... Literally written all over your body. A serpent. A big serpent. Where's that though? now? How can they see that? On his arm. Oh, a sorry. serpent tattoo. I thought you said it was on his back. No, so did I not say it's on his arm? Doesn't matter. But, but also, they, but they can see. The... Is he not wearing a shirt? To, to well, like he's, he's wearing one of those, I think, like, there's a picture of him in one one article and he's wearing a... Um, so they're, It's a, like a skull and a serpent tattoo. Here's, here is, so he's wearing okay, like one of those right. white it's beater skull. things. It's, it looks very... Dark. Dark. Um, it's kind of demonic. a skull with the, you know, altar to... Lucifer in the utility room. Well, yeah. that was a little interesting. Not a good look. So, um, on August 1992... Oh, also, oh, sorry. I thought it was 1992, yeah? Yeah. Satanic panic time. Really? When was that? In America, that yeah. was like the kind of early, early 90s. 90s. That's right. When Any those guys were... Was it with, the two boys who that's were... The, yeah, the West Memphis three. Yeah, that's oh, right. okay. I put loads and loads of satanic panic stuff. Like any whiff of any kind of occult... And like, it was just like in the air, like so being this, reported on. So this, ta- this would have been. So it would have had like more credence almost. Mm, yeah, I, I think there was. I mean, you've got loads of these things. You've got specialists, you've got witnesses, you've got neighbours, you've got everyone saying that this man. It's not looking good for Todd. It doesn't fucking look good for Todd. Todd's, Todd's not helping name. him, said. Well, oh, Cameron. Cameron. Cameron Todd, Todd. willing him, but he went by Todd. <laughs> okay. Or he does at least in this episode of The Creep Life. Um, So in August 1992, the trial started and uh, that prosecutor, John Jackson, had a team of prosecutors summoned a procession of witnesses, including Johnny Webb from the prison and the Barbies who were on the scene. Um, And Why would you even call him in? The crux of the state's case, though, still remained the scientific evidence gathered by Vasquez and Fogg soon after the fire. Fire science. On the stand, Vasquez detailed what he called more than 20 indicators of arson 
and he described the puddle patterns as Todd's inadvertent confession. Todd was found guilty and sentenced to death. Okay. I'm not heartbroken. Are you? No, I mean, all signs point towards him being extremely guilty. Yeah. But the story doesn't end there. I had a feeling it didn't. So for a year after, imagine I was like, that's just... There you are, Annette. That would be more my flavour of story. And nothing. So for a year after his imprisonment, Stacey campaigned for his release. But eventually, possibly convinced by her family who believed him to be guilty, she filed for divorce a year after. She said later in interviews that Todd hadn't treated her brilliantly and she left him for a man that did. He Todd. was also gone. He's also in prison. Out of her life. And he's she in needed, prison. He's she on was death grieving. Row. Yeah. He's on death row. She has to look after herself. Yeah. So um, Todd then obviously had very few visitors in prison. Uh, his parents visited the odd time, but it That's was That's what happens when you kill all your family. So he started engaging in a volunteer-led pen pal sort of situation. This is fascinating, isn't it? These things the I think are fascinating. The pen pal thing is very interesting. So a woman called Elizabeth Gilbert. Not. Naughty Pray Love. Okay. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, oh, is she the woman that wrote that, wrote that stupid thing? <gasps> she has great books too. But yes, she did write Eat, Pray, Love. Um, so a woman Bowl called Elizabeth pasta. Gilbert became his pen pal and she was fascinated by him. So they wrote multiple letters back and forth and she started visiting him in prison. He never, she kind of said that he never accepted gifts or never wanted anything from the vending machine. And he would write to her and say that he didn't want her to think that he just wanted something from her. That he wanted companionship. But like Were they talking about the event or is it just general chit chat? I think it's just general stuff. He, oh, he has always maintained his innocence, right? So then Elizabeth be kind of became a little bit transfixed and she started looking into his records. Right away, she noticed that one of the key witness testimonies con- contradicted itself. So Diane Barbie had told investigators that she never saw Willingham try to save his children. But she wasn't at the scene all of the time. She left to go and call the fire department. And her own 11-year-old daughter contradicted her statement and said that Todd did break a window and was trying to repeatedly go back into the house. Okay. So... Bearing in mind that a lot of the witnesses in his initial trial were the neighbours who had turned on him. So at the scene, the reports were that he was traumatised. He was trying really hard. He had to be restrained. And then when at the time it came to the trial, some eight months later, oh, people were saying that he was cold. He was standoffish. He moved the car. He, well, sure. okay. he wasn't concerned. And there's been so many studies that have shown that it, witnesses change their perspective when they have an indication of how people feel about the charge. Sure, like right now, I believed he was guilty a few seconds. And now suddenly I'm like, oh. So they all started kind of changing their statements. So Elizabeth started noting, noticing these contradictions in the uh, in the witness reports. Doesn't mean he still didn't do it. I mean, No, I mean, we still have all the science, right? Um, so Elizabeth then began to start to meet with people in Todd's life and to try and just piece together the wider picture of what had happened because there had never been any motive for the killing. Yeah, okay. They had attributed him being a sadistic killer as his motive, that he just enjoyed killing. Right. But the kids he had, had no, no kids of... had no life support. They had there was no apparent motivation okay. to kill his three children. 
So Liz began meeting the with ki- the people what close. What do you mean by like kids had no life support? Life or they had no life insurance. Life insurance. So there was nothing to be gained, right? Um, Elizabeth began and meeting he, with it's people. It's not like he was having an affair with someone that he could then no. be with forever. No, no, no. Um, so Elizabeth met with Stacy and she met with Todd's former parole officer. So the parole officer that had been assigned to him when he was a teen. Stacy got really upset and said that he was a caring father and there was no way he was capable of the murder murder. But that's when she said that she just he wasn't that nice a husband and so she left him. Um the former parole officer said that only the week before the fire, Todd had visited her, shown her a picture of his wife and three children, and come back to say, Thank you, I turned out okay. I turned out well. Strange timing though, no? Why the fuck would he... It's Christmas time, though. It's You're Christmas. going around meeting people, you know? Okay. It's the week before Christmas. But, I mean, it's a good bit of kind of um, it's personal PR to do that before you kill everyone <laughs> at the same time as well. Yeah, okay. It? True. It's spin in either direction. Yeah. True. I'm just here to tell you. You haven't seen me in a while. Just thought I'd t- let you know that I love my family. <laughs> so... Okay. Have a nice Christmas. Oh, here's a picture of them. Forgot to show you. Yep. That's everyone so, there. So, while... So, then Elizabeth met Johnny Webb, the guy from prison... And he still maintained that he was telling the truth. But elements of his story started to not add up, including the fact that he said Webb. that Todd... Who gives Webb. a fuck about him? But he's a key witness in the he's prosecution. He's just a random dude in prison. He's really important. Because his, his testimony is like was one of the, the key... You know, well, that would make points. me worry about his the case if he was the main. There's a lot of there's a lot of um a lot of things we go worry on about anyway. Case. Who cares about Webb? So <laughs> elements didn't add up, including the fact that he said Todd told him in an area that was like really open, uh, and guards were walking around. And and why the fuck would he tell you? Yeah, exactly right. So whilst he was with Elizabeth, he maintained his innocence or he maintained his story, but. Several months after the visit, he wrote the prosecutor, John Jackson, he recanted his statements. Now, he did this multiple times over the next couple of years. Why? What prompted it? Because he was not, nothing prompted. He thought he would get preferential treatment for his own trial. At the time of... Wait, Webb recounted the statements? Yes. At the time of proffering his, this story, he, he himself was up for a string of convictions and was about to go to to trial and they were asking at straws and this this one why was he even up as a witness in the first place because they needed something credible to hang their hook on what about fire science guys fire science wheeling and dealing with prisoners to get them better deals if they'll corroborate stuff yeah so Gilbert worked with Todd taking all of these things into consideration to try and appeal his convictions but they were constantly overturned his appeals were like between Say, what is this now? We're like 1990. No, we're like maybe 1999 or something. No, less than He'd that. He's been in prison years during this time. He's been in prison for years. And over a couple of years, these, uh, refuse, these appeals are constantly refused. So then in 2004... So he's on death row. He's on death row. And his, he's, the star witness has redacted his statement. The star witness has recanted. The, the key witnesses during the trial have admitted that there is there's like inconsistencies in their reports. But the judge or whoever, the, what the system hasn't deemed that good enough to retrial No, because him. we have the fire science. Because of fire science. But you, that was pretty convincing. Yeah. In 2004... 
Dr. Gerald Hurst, an acclaimed scientist and fire investigator, received all of the files from the original investigation and agreed to take on the case pro bono. Basically, Elizabeth Gilbert went to him and was like, please look at all of this science and just give your opinion on it. And he she let him this, know she was working for... Yeah, he, 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 knew, he knew the case, right? Okay. So he was like a world-renowned fire expert. Turns out, Vasquez and, what's the name again? Fogg. Phileas Fogg. Were, whilst they were arson investigators, it turned out that the majority of arson investigators working in Texas had a high school education, and in order to be a certified... I would hope so. But in order to become a certified arson expert, you had to take a 40-hour course on fire investigation and pass a written exam. So, so hashtag science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you didn't need a degree often, in any particular. No, this is a this is like secondary school and then a PLC course. It's well, if well, a PLC like course was week. forty hours. What the fuck? So often, the bulk of this investigator training came from being on the job, learning from old timers in the field who passed down a body of wisdom about the telltale signs of arson. Even though a study in 1977 warned that there was nothing scientific to substantiate the valid- validity of this fire science. Fire science. Now, so you're telling me now that fire science is just nonsense. That particular breed of fire science is nonsense. Basically, the only way to ever fully understand how a fire could have started is to rebuild recreate. and recreate the scene and recreate the environment that it was in. What about all the puddles? So, Hurst was struck, like, he kind of was, he was reluctant to take on this case, but then he he was hit with this, like, no, this is why I became a fire specialist. There's this, this, this long, long literature about Hearst and his kind of um his involvement but he immediately became concerned about the science that had convicted uh Todd he became particularly Hearst, one of the original fake fire science guys no Hearst this world Hearst, the professional fire in 2004 science. yeah so he um he was particularly concerned by the claim that the blaze had burned fast and hot because of liquid accelerant. The notion that a flammable or combustible liquid caused flames to reach higher temperatures had been repeated in court by arson salutes for decades, yet the theory was absolute nonsense. Experiments had proved Ah. time and time and time again that wood and gasoline-fueled fires burn at essentially the same temperature. Fascinating. Mm. Fire is fire. So now I'm looking at Todd building... We're like, now there's science. ...building small wooden fires through the house. Mm-hmm. Hurst then claimed, then examined Fogg and Vasquez claimed the brown stains in Willingham's front porch were evidence of liquid accelerant, which had not had time to soak into the concrete. Hurst had performed these tests in his garage in which he poured charcoal lighter fluid on the concrete floor and lit it. When the fire went out, there was no brown stains, only smudges of soot. Mm. He'd run the same experiment many times with different kinds of liquid accelerants and the result was always the same. No brown stains. No brown stains. Brown stains were common in fire. They were usually composed of rust or gunk from charred debris that had mixed with the water from the hoses. This was rust. Okay. Right? 
Another Fuck. crucial piece of evidence implicating Willingham was the crazed glass that Vasquez had attributed to the rapid heat. Even when of the you fire told me about that, I was hearing. Accelerant. Yeah, that was, I was exactly the same. That's not, you, I was you taking. Said, after she said that, you said, I? "Okay, you have me. I'm convinced." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you? Is this? Is are you running an experiment on us now? This is this, but this is the story. This is just the way I read it, and this is what had me fucking hooked. I read this story. I remember reading it at when this article came out first and I was like, this man is guilty as fucking sin. There is no way this man has not killed his... We've kid. all heard the fire signs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> crazed anyway, glass. Back crazy. to the crazed glass. Expense. Great name. To the crazed glass. Can I just stop you there and just... Re- Sophie, your mic is nowhere near your face. No, we're going to have to boost you significantly now in the post-production. You refuse to put your knitting down. <laughs> being shamed well maybe okay. if Cassie would supply a mic stand they're in I the car they're in, they're in the, the car. fucking car okay she come on next week next week um so back to the crazy uh, glass wrecked your knitting now Vasquez I? had attributed the rapid heathen from a fire field with liquid accelerant yet in November 1991 a team of fire investigators had inspected 50 houses 50 houses in the hills of Oakland, California, which had been ravaged by bushfires. In dozens of the houses, the investigators discovered crazed glass, even though there was no liquid accelerant. Demystified. Hearst concluded that it was absolutely impossible to pinpoint the cause of the blaze, but based on the evidence, he had very little doubt that it was an accidental fire. One caused most likely by a space heater of faulty electrical wiring. There was a space heater in the children's bedroom. Boom. The fucking uh, super, sir. Yeah, it explained why there had been never been a motive for the crime and Hearst concluded that there was no evidence of arson and that a man who had already lost his three children and spent 12 years in jail was about oh. to be executed oh based on junk science. Hearst wrote his report in such a rush and such a panic that he didn't even pause to fix the typos. Despite the, He submitted the report then to the Court of Appeals or whatever and despite the report, Todd's latest appeal was rejected 13 days before his execution. Oh no. my God. On February 17, 2004, he was killed by lethal injection. <gasps> Cassie. Oh my God, that little satisfied face when you said that was Those sickening. fucking fucker, fake science fucktards. They should be jailed for that. But also the courts, like they never ever want to go again on these things. Like trying to get... Your case heard again. Do you no, think the jury impossible. was made aware of the qualifications of the fake? No, absolutely case? not. So, well, like, if you he had gone, if he had been, if we had been presented with the same information that I presented you before sure. he met Elizabeth Gilbert, I'd have killed him straight away. And we were in court, and we were on the jury. We'd be like, science. Vasquez, uh, he sounds fancy. Good man, fog. Uh, fog, clearly so, a fog. fire expert. Right, fog beats fire. Does it not? After his... It doesn't end. Scissors. doesn't end. There's still more. But wait, he's dead. He's dead. But to be wait. honest, his whole family is dead. This oh. is the man I'd say he didn't care that much. On a very sad uh, no, note, No, but the thought of dying with people believing you'd killed your family. If you're, if my fa- my kids were all dead, I wouldn't give a fuck. What people thought? I'd just not be happy to die. But yeah, but it would kill me to think that I was dying and never clearing my name. People and always thinking spend, that. And that you'd spend... You'd spend... 12 years. Well, 12 those 12 years, years would be insanely painful. Fucking hell. Poor Todd. Longer than that. He had spent longer than that. in some Now, 
Who Ta- was on no the defence. Tattoo, Tattoo had something to blame here. What about his fucking sadism ha- uh, room? He just had a picture. He just had some sort of like a kind of gothic artwork like. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. once again, I should probably describe my view here of Jen sitting in her living room beneath the enormous skull s- of a... That has to go on the Instagram to just get like to so people understand what it is. Like we sit and record this under what animal was that? Uh, that's a longhorn. It's from a Texan ranch. You can see where they kill. They they use a you know I can't remember. It's a particular type of gun. It just shoots a bar, and it's a it's a quick way of killing. Jen, where did you get that? From a Texas uh, from a ranch in Texas. Okay. On something called what else do we internet. have over there we've got a pheasant i have a sm- uh, a small i think they're they're miniature elks a little skull of that there's a vertebrae from a i don't not sure what type of sea creature that is Two that's a dog skull feet no no they're Two my feet concrete feet cast and a taxidermied and a pheasant a pheasant and pictures of my children so it can quite commonly People in glass you houses can, should not throw stones. You can, you can draw conclusions from that. I'm not hiding in my uti- hashtag utility room <laughs> in a secret room in my house with I all these things. I think if someone came here and you were suspected of a crime, they would draw the conclusion that you're obsessed with death. Fair. There's skulls. They could, but they'd be you, wrong. Just because you spray painted that one gold doesn't make it any less creepy. Well, and you've got melty face over here. Yeah, this is dark. Uh, no, you're wrong. I also have a microscope. Obsession with death and the dead. Science. Yeah. Fixated. I like science. What's happening in this painting? Back in the room, guys. Okay. So after his execution, reviews of the report prompted the state of Texas to relook at his initial conviction. In August... Oh, sorry. This is what I thought was a bit confusing. He did spend 12 years in prison in august 2009 18 years after the fire and five years after willingham's execution a report conducted by dr craig baylor hired by the texas forensic science commission to review the case found that a finding of arson could not be sustained no reason to believe the fire was arson dead he's dead baylor said key testimony from a fire marshal at willingham's trial was hardly consistent with scientific mindset and more characteristic of mystics or psychics uh-huh. in the name of god in addition to the faulty evidence that prosecutors used to convict willingham of murdering his children there was also reason to suspect the prosecutors intentionally sought to falsify evidence to send a man to his death in 2017, John Jackson was tried for concealing evidence, mm. obstructing justice, and making false statements. The case rested on the accusation that Johnny Webb His. had been given a secret deal in exchange for making up a conversation between him and Willingham in which the executed man supposedly admitted to setting up the fire that killed his children. Did Webb... <gasps> did Webb the prosecutor, John Jackson, was behind Johnny Webb's fucking made up story did Webb get anything on the back of it no he didn't which is why he started to re- re- take kind the story of pull back. It back and probably just guilt right yeah Jackson was actually cleared of those Jackson, charges last year fucker. because Webb Webb over the last 18 years has been identified as an unreliable witness he's he's falsely confessed to crimes of his own he's no this, surprises he's done this he's a mentally ill man so last year Jackson was actually cleared of those charges because um 
Webb couldn't be trusted to whether he was no Webb refused to answer questions on the stand he just okay. kept saying I don't know I do not recall fuck that guy Jackson um, so then in August 2009 Jackson killed somebody yeah he did he prosecuted someone and sent him to death um Despite claims that he wasn't a fan of the death penalty. Well, I mean, he was despite, the, the, yeah. the sentence. He was sentenced to death. But he, Jackson, obviously was doing what he could to secure a, a guilty conviction. Um, in 2009, the Chicago Tribune investigated... An investigative article concluded that over the past five years, the Willingham case has been reviewed by nine of the nation's top fire scientists. First for the Tribune, then for the Innocence Project, and now for a special commission all concluded that the original investigators relied on outdated theories and folklore to justify the determination of arson. The only other evidence of significance against Willingham was the twice recanted testimony by an inmate who testified that Willingham had to confess. What about like his wife? I mean, she's still knocking around, you know. All her kids have died in this fire and then her husband, who she was standing with, up to how long was he in prison before she then? She, he was in prison for a year before and then she, she divorced for a him. Divorce. But, but like you said, he had her. no signs of being having the conviction overturned at that stage. She thought he was a goner. And he was. And nobody took him seriously. And that man protested his innocence for the entire time. He refused to plead guilty, even and though it would have saved his life. Even because the pen he did paler. not want people to think he had killed his children at the state i wonder though at the state before just before he died had he did he feel probably within himself that that something was in motion or that she the pen paller they did had been maybe he was able to die with the feeling of okay do you remember the motion was denied about 12 days before he was executed yeah yeah But they were fighting, like there's loads more to this story, including a lot more deeper stuff about his relationship with Elizabeth. They got very close. Now, sadly, Elizabeth wasn't at his execution because the night before she, uh, a car ran a red light and she was in the ICU and she survived. But she, so he was, he was being executed thinking that she didn't come along. It's just oh, so oh fucking sad. God. She couldn't get a message through to him. Isn't that just oh going to show God. you how random life is? And oh, that there's it's no horrific. karma. There's no. This is something you deserve. So I mean, this guy got. I literally took it out the opposite ass. direction. I was like, this guy was being persecuted by the universe. Well, there's for so what, many. Um, <sighs> yeah. What the fuck? There's so many parts to it though that I think are really interesting. First of all, that we all make. We all made the conclusion Judgment. that yeah. he was guilty based on what we were being told about the fire. In our defense, we were not members of a jury. No, you would think but also, that during the. I mean, he was tried by jury, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Like, who fucking knows? Yeah, you're right. But also, the assumption that because he had these petty, non violent crimes in his history, that, that, he, that he was. A criminal. That he had potential he to be a murderer. Um. And that his upbringing and that the violence that had occurred in his in his past what life life would lead him to kill his children, Jesus. and he wasn't. And this is basically the story of when Texas executed an innocent man. It's fascinating. There's loads to read about this. There's been documentaries about it. Um, fantastic starting point. Well, is I feel trial dreadful. Do you? I was like, I was going <sighs> to kill him straight away. I feel drained. But in fairness, I cannot right? believe he died. I can't believe his, your one missed his thing. He yeah. thought everyone was 
had and the poor babies. Yeah, it's so fucking sad. There's nothing in this ca- for fucking. No, but it's fascinating. <laughs> no, it it's is absolutely really fascinating. fascinating. Did, was and anything learned from and, it? Like, well, has yeah, it's an changed? indictment well, of the fucking death penalty. It has is any, an indictment okay, of the death yeah. penalty. There's been there's been a couple of other cases prompted by this um, by this case where they've looked into uh, people who have died uh, on death row and whether they should have been exonerated. Um, he still his conviction still has not been posthumously overturned. overturned as far as i'm aware mm. even though up and even up until last year or the year before last Why? there would, was because it would t- <laughs> because i think because there was a trial going on with john jackson ah okay that would I somebody know. have to trigger it or push it through i mean is there any i think john jackson's standing over that he the the, the well, prosecution of course he he's hardly committed. so until something and he he wasn't found of doing any wrongdoing I don't know. I'm not too sure about it, but there's fucking loads more to read about this. I'd spent hours on this. He wasn't found for doing any wrongdoing, even though he was found to have lied or he paid. It, did he pay Webb or at least he gave him a deal? Yeah, but they were the charges brought against him, but Webb didn't corroborate the charges in court. So Webb refused to speak when he was in trial. Was Todd already dead? Todd was already dead at that stage. So that trial How happened only in 2017. Todd, okay, so Todd had been dead for... 13 years. And had been in prison for 12 before that. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. So Jesus. I mean, that's 28 years since your man had made the initial claims. Since uh, Webb had claimed that he had told Misery. Um, <laughs> like just ongoing, like catastrophic misery across the board. Yeah. There is so... Go and read Trial by Fire in The New Yorker. It was first published on the 7th of September 2009. It's a really, really long read. Like, it's really fucking long. But it's probably one of the best pieces of journalism I've ever read. Oh. And then there is a documentary, and there's loads of reporting on the uh, Innocence Project. Obviously, sources, The New Yorker, The Chicago Tribune, HG.org. Uh, the Innocence Project. Buzzfeed. There's loads. There's <laughs> fucking loads everywhere. Thank you, Cassie. There you have it now. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's, that's really, fucker. really fucking bummed me out. Has it? Well yeah. Well I feel like he's dead and I'm happy that he's dead. Oh God. In a way that I'm happy he didn't have to live life with this miserable thing that has very more than miserable. Devastating thing that happened. Do you know? Well, I feel like he's gone with his kids and you yeah, know, okay. It's one way I'm out. glad that I think the majority of thought is that he's he was innocent. He is. I mean, I'm convinced that he was innocent. But the thing is that we don't... We we don't in completely know, like... And what does it matter? He's dead. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I feel Thanks, like... Thanks, Cassie. Do it, yeah, does anyone want to brood around for a bit of good news before we sign off? Or I know, should we have some kind of palate cleanser? Um, so, got it in the back burner for us this week? Anything <laughs> in the back burner? Actually, do I want to start you off? Because you have a tendency to, to go on go for an on. hour and a half. <laughs> no, I... Uh, uh, Are you just really... Oh, that really got to you, that one. That really Have got another to me. slice of brownie there. I can't or, eat any more brownie. I'm literally up to here with just the nervous brownie. tension ate your way yeah. through that story. <laughs> I just uh, started stress eating so much. Well, this is the creep dive. 
and wait, we've got to come up with something good, better do to we? end on. No, I think that's I think that's okay. I think sometimes it's just shit. Any more animal products? Mm. I, well, uh, well, no. But I read a we've story about how, how two men bled to death from their from a fish swimming up their dicks. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you about that later. Uh, <laughs> but the fish was attracted to the urine. There's a fish who will swim towards your, your urethra. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they're yeah. barbed as well. So what they do is they get up, stick their barbs out, and then they're there. There's no... And if you pull them out, you rip it. <sighs> they'll, they'll, it's easier for them to get up a penis than a urethra, so just as a woman, so... You know, uh, not sure now where I'm going with that one, <laughs> but I hoped that somehow cl- cleansed your palate. So thank you for listening. Sorry, okay. Sophs. Yeah, that's the, that's sometimes life just sucks. Okay, look, here's one. I've got something. Okay, all right. If you need something in your soul right now, which I understand because I do, go and watch Neil Patrick Harris opening the Tonys in 2012. Cool. It will, it'll do what you need to do right All right. Now. Okay. I'm going to okay. do that. Are we all in agreement? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Come or on. Or check out my Instagram for a recipe for Guinness brownies that sustained us recommend. through this episode. Yeah, that's it. Sophie underscore white. I'll post some, pi- or we'll put some pictures of the hilarious uh, inner and ex- interior workings of the Victorian times. Yeah, and I would like everyone else to go and um, read up about read up about poor Cameron Todd Willingham to share in my here's to misery. his memory to his memory, presuming he's innocent. I think he was cool. Okay, come on back next week. What did you breadcrumb us, or is it dog fooding? I can never remember. Is it uh, breadcrumb? Breadcrumb. Oh, I have a very short one next week. That um, uh, how. Delivering your pizza in 30 minutes or less <gasps> led to a six hour long hostage situation. Oh, Sweet. Jesus. I want to thank uh, a couple of people who got in touch regarding Oyster Man. Oh, that's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> is that for the live? I'm going to, this is for the live and well, are we going to, we're recording the live, but will we, it will be out as a podcast also? Yes. That's why we decided to do the live shows on a Thursday evening. All right. So you'll, you'll catch it. Uh, it's sold out anyway. So. But if you can't make it, the live show for the Thursday will be out on the Friday and the following week. It's a second different live show. So if you bought tickets to the first, you know, you could have gone to the second also, which we should have advertised before we sold out. Too late, doesn't matter. Too late. Oh, yeah, yeah, we get it. We sold out two live shows. But also you can hear (laughs) it's going to be impressed when they come in. They're like, guys, there's 12 seats here. (laughs) Well done. We don't need to talk about that. But uh, (laughs) it's great because you'll also be able to just listen to it after the fact. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. Wait, you have to see us on various forms of... um, Follow us on Instagram at The Creep Dive. Please go do it. There's a huge disparity between our listeners and our followers and it gives me anxiety. Can you give us a review? Do the review or the constructive criticism. We appreciate no, that too. No, don't, no thanks. Uh, just a positive review would be cool. Or just click those couple of stars between uh, couple. four and five. Preferably. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming back. And thanks for all the contact on Instagram. We thoroughly enjoy all your messages. And we've got some fucking sick shit in there. Oh, we've like got to. some great it's so stuff sick. to get into. But you know what's like... 
I love it, but um, a lot of people are giving us like the very tip of the iceberg, which involves a lot of investigation. Well, they're like, do this next week. And you're like, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. What are you? Anyway, no, we've got some fucking gross and brilliant things. Okay, bye. 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 Okay, we're back in the room. We're so back. In, so if you would like to correct something. We left the room briefly. I realized I was wrong. Back in the room. It's the 2013 Tony Awards opening by Neil Patrick Harris. I couldn't let that go because God knows what happened in 2012. No, don't all rush at once or else YouTube might crash. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Bye. bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.